So just a little bit of a disclaimer, the views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely ours, with some information that we have researched on our own. Also, we would like to create a little caution that there will be sensitive language used in this podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to Hidden Hidden Minds. Where in this week's podcast, we will be talking about a very interesting field that is... Criminology! (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about this topic because I've been interested in this topic since middle school. You know, watching all the crime documentaries on Netflix. CSI. (laughs) Exactly. And what prompted us to pick this specific topic this week was actually because of a very funny incident that I told Aw. Um, that I told her ever since I moved into Japan, I have never locked my apartment door at night. <laughs> and I thought that was really crazy because even though Japan is a relatively safe country, you still need to lock your doors yeah. at night. Yeah. Especially being a girl. Right. And there were certain anomalies, actually, certain cases in Japan that have shown murders and, yeah, yeah. criminal acts. No, actually, one of my friends was telling me about this story. Um, do you know... 44 Days of Hell. Mm, yeah, the murder of Junko Furuta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's insane how Junko Furuta, a 16-year-old Japanese schoolgirl, she was kidnapped by one of her own schoolmates. Yeah. And she was basically captive and raped and tortured for 44 days. Yeah. I heard he was um, part of the Yakuza. Yeah, supposedly yeah. part of the Yakuza. And while this was all happening... His parents were downstairs, and they knew everything. No way. But they were too scared to tell the police. Like, imagine being scared of your own child to call the police and do the morally right thing. Right. And And this girl ended up dead, buried in cement. Yeah, encased in cement. How do you think of such a thing? Yeah, after being raped, like, nearly hundreds of times. Yeah. Yeah. Not just by him, but by his... The Yeah, the... Yeah, with that specific case, it makes me wonder what prompts a killer. Hmm. Yeah. What makes them do the things they do? Mm. Like, what are they thinking when they kill, right? Mm. Yeah. And uh, we found out that a typical killer is usually someone who is emotionally damaged and has developed mental health problems, possibly because during their childhood, they could be bullied or rejected or felt abused and neglected at home, Hmm. right? And it goes even further when they've killed once and it made them felt the urge to kill again. So that brings us to the idea of a serial killer, Hmm. right? And And don't get them mixed up. There are two different things. Right, right, right. You know, the idea of a serial killer actually was... It was actually relatively new. Mm. It first appeared in 1981 Times Report when they were discussing the case of Wayne Williams, who was convicted of murdering 31 children in Atlanta during the 1970s. 31 children? 31 kids. He murdered them, and that was the first... Exactly. Why? That is the question I want to know, was why. Yeah. So... That, again, makes us question what goes into the minds of a serial killer. Hmm. Because it's one thing, one thing, <laughs> one thing to be a murderer mm-hmm. and commit homicide, but it's another thing 
to continuously do it, right? And in the same way, yeah, every time, right? And in yeah. different incident, like different incidents, right? Yeah. They've done it in different scenarios, so it means that they've taken breaks in between mm-hmm. and not even contemplate what yeah. they've done, and they and it's just, like calculated too, exactly. which is kind of scary. It, it's absolutely insane, and either than the fact that they've um, serial killers, mm-hmm. either than the fact that they have undergone trauma. Uh, in their childhood, they've mm-hmm. internalized this sort of feeling, this sort of neglect, and until it grows into a mindset that builds and builds and builds until a point where they just can't control. And it was it was even told that when serial killers first killed, they weren't even looking for a target. Mm. They just so happened to have this unbearing emotion of not being able to control something, and they suddenly found a victim, mm. and they just went for it. They wanted to have this control. Like a thrill-seeking yeah. Yeah, arousal. Yeah, yeah. Like authority over this one yeah. person. And because of that, um, because of having that control over life and death of a person, hmm. they just felt that, wow, this was such a release. Hmm. I finally can have this escape. Hmm. Even if it means, you know, killing someone Hmm. and that sort of urge and thrill just makes them want to do it again it's like a dopamine rush kind of like drugs it's addictive yeah yeah, yeah. you can kind of say that right it just makes you feel good and you want to do it again you Mm -hmm. want to experience that high again yeah yeah yeah. so that's like the psychological reasoning Mm -hmm. right like can can you tell me something about like the yeah no biological part of psychology is also a biological approach right and i one of the main reasons yeah for for the way people control themselves mm-hmm. is through their prefrontal cortex cuz that's that part in the front of your brain, yeah, the front of the brain. basically is responsible for re- your reasoning and your your self control right um it doesn't fully develop until you hit your mid 20s mm-hmm. with people who have underdeveloped prefrontal cortex or or damaged prefrontal cortex they tend to experience antisocial behavior. Right. And another thing is the amygdala. I'm pretty sure you've heard of it. Okay, wait. Oh, say it again. Amygdala? Amygdala. Okay. Yeah, so it's a part of your brain. Like the back part? The the back part of your brain. Near the hippocampus. (laughs) What? (laughs) Hippo what? And it's basically, it's responsible, it's your fight or flight response. So it's responsible for fear, aggression, and social interaction. Okay. And apparently, according to the American Psychological Association, 26-year-old men with lower amygdala volumes were more than three times likely to be aggressive, violent, and show psychopathic psych- <laughs> psychopathic <laughs> tendencies. tendencies. Wow. Three years later than men of the same age with more normal-sized amygdalas. Amygdala. Okay. This is independent of... Factors including history of violence and social backgrounds that comes from, okay. you know, your, your social surroundings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. surroundings. Another thing as well, another part of your brain that have been studied to correlate with serial um, tendencies. Yeah, serial kill tendencies and also violence is the anterior cingulate cortex, okay. ACC. <laughs> Mouthful. Mouthful, right? But according to the same association they studied 100 inmates Mm -hmm. and found that inmates with lower acc activities were twice as likely to re-offend as in do the crimes again 
four years after they left prison than prisoners who have higher ACC levels. Okay, so because of these, all of these brain dysfunctionalities, like, mm-hmm. because they were repressed, mm-hmm. these people have the tendency to not have any remorse and empathy, mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how these brain defunctionalities de- are formed. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're influenced by a lot of different factors. Yeah. yeah, that part I don't know. But the studies that are there explains that the undeve- underdeveloped or damaged parts of these areas can potentially explain why they mm-hmm. commit the crimes that they do. And you know what? I would I want to actually bring up the case of Jeffrey Dahmer. Do you know that? Do you know his case? No, actually, yeah, yeah. tell me. Yeah, he he was convicted of murdering, not only murdering, actually, seducing, murdering, and dismembering 17 young men. And young he, men? He, yeah, and he even ate their bodies, dude. Like, oh, ate their man. body parts. Yeah, and the, um, there was an interview that was conducted, mm. and uh, he confessed how the first time that he went to kill was not even because he was angry. He just felt that he wanted to control another person Mm. you know he just felt that in his entire life he was never ever accepted and was never in control of his own life that he just felt the need to do the what he couldn't have and what he lacked Mm. to another person and he just wanted that person to stuck with him Mm. so that's why he ate the body parts yeah Uh, okay i think that that kind of reminds me of um ted bundy he grew up in a very, a relatively normal family. He didn't have any trauma or anything, but he was infatuated with pornography, and I think that sparked his... Like, urge ad- to kill. Yeah, urge or addiction for right. murdering and, you know, seducing women. Yeah. But I think in the case of Ten Buddy, that would be sort of an anomaly mm. with with killers, right? Yeah, for sure. Because he, Ten Buddy doesn't really have the background that most serial killers do, which is oftentimes a very um, harsh background with their families. Mm. You know, they've, they've never really been accepted right. by society. Their social economic status. Yeah. And, like, the neighborhood that they were brought up in. Mm-hmm. But he was brought up in a pretty good neighborhood with pretty wealthy parents. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, serial killers, five out of six of them are, like, men. Yeah. Mm. And... Most of them, like, they've already developed these fantasies of wanting to kill since a very, a very, very young age. Since mm. the age of five. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. Yeah. And normally, they wouldn't um, kill. Oh, what motivated them to kill would be, like, the like the thirst that they have. And it was even exacerbated by their, like, sex drive. Mm. And that's why that most serial killers, they would kill in the ages when, in their young younger mm. age like around 20s mm. yeah because no that that kind of makes sense because it kind of all has to do with the prefrontal cortex and that doesn't fully develop until you reach your mid-20s that could explain why younger people um it, like, commit ha- the mm-hmm. delinquent behaviors right, that they right. do yeah yeah and i think that just makes me think if it is because of these brain how how would you call it like brain uh, dysfunctionality mm. then would you call serial killers would you say that serial killers are born with oh these? is it like yeah. nature or yeah, nurture? Yeah, 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 like yeah, are yeah. you born with it or is it learned through your surroundings yeah yeah, yeah. 
part of psychology is that there are three main branches, right? You can explore it. You can approach it through the biology side or the social side, Mm -hmm. which is like your environment, or obviously the cognition side. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a right answer, one approach that fits it. It's a combination of all three. Agreed. And you know what, um, what I was just thinking is just that when these things happen to them, do they ever feel that they, oh, I wish I could have taken it back, you know, mm, right? Like, do they feel any remorse yeah. or, like, regret? Right, right, Because I'm sure, like, the first time you kill someone, you must feel some sort of remorse, right? Mm. But what makes them, like, tick, okay, you know what, no, I have to do it again? Mm. I think it all comes down to your moral principles and that just, mm-hmm. that comes from your influences, I think your background yeah. Because your moral principles come from how you were brought up exactly. most of the time, right? Yeah. So I don't understand people who can just kill and just feel like it's okay and be like, oh, another body lying there. Yeah. If we want to go back to the case um, of Jeffrey Dahmer, hmm. when he explained to the interviewer how he built this courage to just keep on killing. Hmm. And he wasn't he wasn't caught until like, what, 30, 30 years, I think? 30 years, yeah. He just felt that because he wasn't able to be, you know, exposed for what he's done, he doesn't need to feel that he's accountable for it. Mm. And all of, you know, all of the murders that he committed were of young men, and they were either uh, homosexuals or African-Americans. Mm. And, you know, oh, it was so messed up because one of the the victim actually were was spotted outside of his house so yeah they took he took the child home Mm -hmm. and then this child was able to escape and he went to the front yard all naked with all blood and everything and the neighbor um he called she she called the police Mm. but then um jeffrey was able to like tell the police to go away because Mm. they he said that they were just doing you know sexual activities and um that child is drunk and stuff like that. So And they bought it? Yeah, they bought it cuz oh, that is ridiculous. I think at that time the, you know, mm. the they were they were still very very racist and very mm. biased towards yeah. those that demographic. That brings me to the justice system. Like, would you consider someone who has committed a murder, like first degree murder, would you sentence them to the death penalty or would you consider it as a mental health issue mm-hmm. that needs that they need to be yeah. rehabilitated agreed yeah or something like that yeah i i mean i don't know how to feel about the the death penalty mm. it's a very tough issue to talk about yeah yeah that's its own like dilemma yeah, yeah. in it's, itself yeah, yeah yeah and do you know that the idea of like serial killers and sociopaths people would always intertwine these mm. two concepts they would think like okay they're these people are psychopaths mm. because they continuously kill mm. but the fact that the term psychopath does not necessarily correlate to people who are serial killers mm. or murderers actually one out of 150 people are mm. actually psychopaths and you know the, the really yeah like the basic definition Jeez. of a psychopath is just basically a person with lack of empathy and lack of sympathy for mm. somebody and just want to prioritize um, and put them like put themselves first mm. over other people in terms of various 
like aspects mm-hmm. like socially financially and everything mm. and i think it just made me think like oh okay i think i've <laughs> I've, I've i've encountered people who <laughs> have done certain things like that you know what at some point i do feel like i do put myself first <laughs> but is that being selfish or what 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 is the lie <laughs> yeah okay so that is why i feel like we should take a test mm. like a psycho yeah, it's yeah psych- let's do it let's yeah. do it actually a psych wait there's actually a test for this yeah a psychopathy test so it's by psych central if okay. you guys are interested take it with us mm. it's just 12 questions and okay. you know don't be don't lie to yourself yeah, <laughs> be honest with yourself <laughs> okay so the first question would be what would oh would you describe yourself as a charming and nonchalant individual and can you turn on and off that charm mm. i'd say like this somewhat describes me. Okay, this somewhat. Because when I hang out with a lot of different people, of course I'm going to have different personalities. Like, when yeah. I'm with my really close friends, I'm a different person. When I'm okay. with someone new, I'll be kind of shy yeah. and just like, you know. Yeah, you can alter off. your character. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Is okay, that okay. like, yeah. yeah. You know what, okay, that's, yeah, fair, that's somewhat, fair. somewhat. Okay, agree. so the options are not me, this describes me somewhat, and this is definitely me. Mm-mm. Second question. I do what I want, when I want, and the moment the impulse strikes me, regardless of what others want. Okay, honestly, sometimes this is definitely me. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> I'm scared. Like, I recently now, Yeah. I put myself first. Yeah, exactly. You know, self-care. Okay, third one. If something goes wrong or turns out badly, it's not my fault. I mm. used to, I used to feel this way and I've had issues with people because I think this way mm. but I feel like I've gotten better and mm. I, I know when I'm at fault right yeah so I don't think this is me yeah anymore. definitely like not middle me. school days yeah you know what not me now <laughs> yeah not me now I've gotten into legal or criminal trouble as adult no I've never. uh no not really okay I'm easily the best at what I do bar none nobody could ever take my place okay egotistical um I don't yeah, no, I don't no. think so. Yeah, okay. I think I'm my biggest critic, so whenever I do something, agree, I always agree. judge myself. Mm-hmm. I do whatever I feel like doing. I don't care what others think or even if it's illegal. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Even if it's... Okay, you know what? For yeah, you, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do have these thoughts, but I I feel like I have some sort of moral principle that I... To say no? To say no. But or, were there times that you've done this? We can say this is somewhat describes me. Yeah, this somewhat describes me. Okay. Yeah. Every person for themselves, I don't see the point in feeling sorry for other people and have no desire to help others. I think it depends on the situation and the person, really. Yeah, okay. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. I think there are times where I'm sorry, but I just don't feel like hmm. I have the time for... An effort yeah. for this, I, yeah. Which I do feel really bad about. Yeah, because yeah. I do know that if you do help other people, they would help you back. Hmm. Yeah. But you know what? I'm sorry. This sort of describes me. I've gone into legal or criminal trouble when I was a teenager. Oh, okay. So before I was adult, now it's teenager. Um, so I don't no, think I, I've so. never. No. I have no problem with or concern in lying to get what I want. White lies? Okay. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. I feel like white lies is. Like if you want to get a job, lies. obviously everyone's gonna kind of, you know, make themselves seem. Yeah. seem better than they actually are in their resumes yeah. or like in their interviews yeah. so i think in that case it's okay okay so this is definitely me live in the moment is what i say oh man i 
that is such a big dilemma for me because at the same time I do want to live in the moment but if you live in the moment every day I'm probably going to be broke by the end of the week okay so somewhat somewhat okay. yeah I, I never, think you, you like you still need a little bit of discipline, mm-hmm. but also let loose once in a while. And never feel remorse, shame, or guilt about something I've said or done. No. Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay, last question. I don't see the point in taking responsibility of any kind. Um, truthfully, I think both of the both of the last two questions. It really depends on the situation. Okay, so yeah. somewhat describes me then. Yeah. Okay. So, the result is no psych- psychopathy. Okay. No psychopathy. We're not, we're okay. we're not, we're not psychopaths, psychopaths, guys. We're okay. not psychopaths. Nice, nice. Yeah. If you got um, above 18, you are <laughs> most likely a psychopath. So, you know, watch out for that. Yeah. Yeah. And let us know what your results are. <laughs> we're curious to find out who out of you are psychopaths. Psycho- you know, but actually, this actually got me th- thinking as well. There are certain cases where we've ticked some of the boxes. Mm. We've ticked some of the egotistical boxes or the charms and everything like that. But even if you just kill once or because of your background, Mm. would that make you guilty? Because, okay, let's put it in the case of the Fernandez brothers. Oh, no, no, the Menendez brothers. Menendez brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the Menendez brothers are supposedly the dream family. They basically earned the American dream. They were immigrants who came into America and they basically made it. They lived in Beverly Hills in a huge mansion. And uh, their son, Lyle and Eric Mendes, was mm-hmm. found guilty. First degree, crime, uh, first degree murder mm-hmm. of both of their parents. They shot them with some kind of gun. And they actually turned themselves in. Oh. Yeah. No, first they, they wouldn't... Um, they wouldn't confess to it, mm-hmm. but they did call the police and told them that someone killed my parents. Mm-hmm. And I think after several investigations, they finally found them to be guilty. Mm-hmm. But this case actually was very hot in the 20th century because mm-hmm. the jury was very conflicted with how to decide, like the verdict. Mm-hmm. Because in light of their case, it was found that during their childhood, they were actually, I wouldn't, you know what, I would say it, uh, raped and abused by their father. So, in in ages, I think, six, his father, six or eight, they, his father would tell his oldest son, Lyle, um, to massage his private part and do, like, oral sex. I see. And would penetrate him with objects, like, toothbrushes. Mm. And... When they told this story to the court, they literally broke down in tears. They were they they couldn't even talk. Mm. And his brother Eric, watching his brother uh, other brother Lyle testify against their this incident, mm. his veins popped up, dude. I see. Yeah, because no, because it, it kind of yeah. makes me skeptical. Like, is this their tactic to kind of plead that they're not guilty by siding with the emotional? Yeah. Emotional attributes of the judges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because originally, the prosecutor, they tried to build a case of they kill, uh, these two boys killed mm-hmm. their parents because they wanted their inheritance. Because mm-hmm. four days after their parents died, 
I think they instantly bought, uh, one of the brothers instantly bought a Rolex. I see. So that was one of the cases in, w- in which hmm. the prosecutor used. But then this story came to light. And it actually made me think, I don't think these are, these kids are killers, you know? Hmm. They were, they just had it. They, they had it with, yeah, they yeah. had it with their father. But at the same time, like, are there evidence that this happened? That his father, yeah. Yeah. One of the brothers actually told his cousin during a very young age that mm. these things were happening, that his father was massaging his private parts, and he was wondering if this was a normal thing in your household as I well. See. But he wouldn't tell anyone else. He, I, I feel like he was very ashamed. And mm. I think, it, yeah, it just made me think as well, in this certain cases, these people are not murderers. They're not psychopaths. Mm. They're just two kids that are trying to protect themselves hmm. from their parents uh, it just makes me think it must be a really hard job for the judges to come to a proper consensus because like, at the end of the day like their parents are dead and they did kill them they're cold-blooded yeah. yeah yeah so they're in prison right now they were the verdict was they were guilty hmm. but to me i think they should have a second trial uh, they did have a second trial but i think they should open up the case because this is absolutely insane. I feel like they like it happened, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way of changing it. But at least they should be able to rehabilitate from this mm-hmm. trauma. I guess so. It's like something that they that they never had as a kid when that was happening. Right. And I think it just comes to show that maybe certain killers they don't always come from a background that is, um, you know. Harsh, harsh yeah. and but rich people can also have serious problems, mm. and this could lead to several mental issues that mm. you could have, and it's very concerning as well. Mm. I feel like no matter what social ac- um, economic status you yeah. are in, yeah, it really depends on the in- individual right. to judge what what is morally right, right and wrong to do, and. Actually, this case made me question, like, the justice system. Mm. Because, like, with this evidence coming to light, do they not even consider that these kids might be just victims of, you know, long-time built-in torture and, um, I don't know, I guess insecurity and... And shame. Yeah, shame. And trauma from their Mm. parents, right? So can't that be considered as a new evidence to support these people Mm. and i think what made me question the justice system as well is you know the case of george floyd thank god Mm. the police finally was arrested yeah yeah thank god he was finally arrested but it's about time it took so long and i think what made me really mad about that case was the fact that a man was killed in front of a camera Mm. and we still have to go to trial like Mm. we still have to go through months and months of court processes mm. just to con- like convict this murder mm. it, it was shot on camera why, why do we still need to what's there to debate on i think it's a case-by-case situation right the reason why this whole legal system is so systematic is because they have to make sure that the people they are putting in jail are the people you know who are taking the repercussions for what they did are act- they actually deserve it yeah because there are so many factors that come into it, right? And mm-hmm. obviously, you won't know 
the truth because you're not the person. Yeah. You, you weren't there when it happened. So right. it's all just educated assumptions mm-hmm. about what happened. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to accurately measure what is the right thing to do. Yeah. And plus, with these big cases, the media is on you mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of critiquing like, all the yeah. decisions yeah, are, yeah, that yeah. are being made. It's really hard to please everyone. Agreed. So you just have to do what is morally right based on the evidence that is given to you. Right. Yeah. But I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And even when that happened, the police, that the police that was convicted, his face was just shocked. He was, he was more, like, mortified mm. by the fact that he was sentenced to prison. Because I, I'm pretty sure he didn't even think that he would be sentenced because he knew that he was a police officer and that gave him leverage mm. with the justice system. Mm. But I'm just glad that this is a step that people are making, but I don't know if it's good enough. It's at still this a long yeah. way to go. Yeah. It's the same with Joe Biden being president. America mm-hmm. is still in the same state as yeah. it was. Maybe a little bit better, but yeah. it's still going to take time, as right. with everything. But at least it's <laughs> starting. Yeah. yeah. I guess we've learned a lot today about different uh, psychopaths and their tendencies to kill. And yeah, I hope you guys took the test with us Mm. and found out that you're not psychopaths. (laughs) And And let us know. (laughs) Yeah, let us know what happened. And yeah, I hope you guys learned something and enjoyed the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Stay tuned next week.